let's get started with Northwestern women's soccer. We'll talk about the men's soccer team in a bit. And also to remind you now that at the end of this podcast, we'll have our weekly chat with women's head coach Michael Moynihan. Let's get started with the women's team. As I said, they're coming off of a win and a loss on a road trip. Austin Miller is clapping because... Great road trip. It's a great road trip. They got three points in Columbus, something they've only done twice in program history. Walker, I'll start with you. What was your impressions on this road trip? Because they really needed a win. I mean, the impressions came for me when, against Ohio State, a really good team, to see Hannah Davison back in the lineup after a couple of weeks out with an injury, to see her back and to see that defense that we know from last season back ready and not conceding. The offense is still always concerning because we cannot seem to score off anything but set pieces. But again... It doesn't uh, matter. Doesn't matter, man. We it, did Northwestern did everything they needed to do. Look, the Penn State game, admit you and I said it last week. It was always going to be difficult. It got more difficult when the Wildcats conceded four minutes in. That probably That's the worst case scenario in a game against a team like that. I mean it's the worst case scenario in any game. Well, yeah. in any game, but especially against a team that can move the ball as quickly as that. Um because that's the type of team when you try to chase a game, they're gonna they're gonna make you pay with more goals. And which they is did exactly what happened. Three 0 yeah. loss for Northwestern. It's tough. Penn State's a really really good team, but the fact that after that loss, the Wildcats bounced back, and you and I said that three points would be a good road trip for Northwestern last week, and Walker, that's exactly what they did, and it was exactly like you said. It was 2016 Northwestern in a nutshell. Uh, set piece opportunity. Kayla Sharples took advantage of what. I kind of thought it was a goalkeeping error. Goalkeeper came off her line, didn't claim. Can't do that. Can't give Kayla Sharples a free header. Boom, 1-0, and then just really didn't concede chances, and that is so encouraging to see because they just weren't troubled at all really in seeing that match out. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely good to see them back, um, <clears throat> especially after a couple weeks where they just kind of looked lost on defense and were kind of giving up more chances than we're used to seeing having to make Lauren Clem, although a great goalkeeper, do more work than she's used to. Um, in her fourth year, she should be ready to do the work, but still not conditioned enough in that point when you have those two great center backs like, like the Wildcats do and Kay- Kayla Sharples and Hannah Davison. I mean, there's no point in making your goalkeeper work unless she has to. And like you said, they just conceded too many chances for the most part, uh, yeah. especially without Davison. And this back line just plays better when those two are playing yeah. together. And I think once she's been back, the results have, have shown up immediately. Obviously, you know, conceding three goals to Penn State is hard, but that, you know, as Austin I said, that Penn State game was always going to be tough. You go back to the Pepperdine game, her first game back in the lineup, very even game, uh, almost no good chances for Pepperdine. There were no good chances, and the goal was just off of an unfortunate goalkeeping error. And then Ohio State, no good chances again. So that's two matches that Northwestern really played the quality of defending that we saw from last year. And I think going forward, that that's going to happen as long as there's no mistakes, which they do happen. That's that's the nature of football. Northwestern, lucky not to have any of those last year. They're gonna they're gonna keep pitching some more shutouts, I think. And against Ohio State, look, that is probably the caliber of team that Northwestern needs to compete with. Uh, Penn State with players back from the under-20 World Cup is probably always going to be a class above. That's not to say Northwestern yeah. can't get results from games but like that. But the performance gap, the talent gap, is always going to right. be there. But against Ohio State, that's a team that's probably level on talent with Northwestern. It's a team that's floating right around where Northwestern is in the first NCAA Women's Soccer RPI that came out this week. Ohio State's at 48, Northwestern's at 54. It's a good result for the Wildcats. And, you know, if they take care of business in all of the matches that they're capable of taking care of business of, they're going to rack up a bunch of points, and who knows where that will find them in the final Big Ten table. But this was just the win that they really needed to kind of right the ship. And now, yes, as we'll talk about, the game on Friday looks scary because Rutgers has been a machine so far this year. But beyond that, I don't think there's a match that Northwestern won't feel that they can absolutely get three points from. I agree with you, Austin. Um, this is the good news is that for the rest of Northwestern's season – uh, they can put this kind of shaky start behind them and really focus on you know, competing in the Big Ten, making a good run in the Big Ten tournament once they get there, and getting to the NCAA tournament, which is priority number one. And Walker, one of the things that we talked about is this is a schedule that is much more difficult than it was last year for Northwestern. The caliber of teams that they've played, especially in the non-conference, is a significantly higher level. And yes, that leads to some growing pains and the record with where it's at now, 4-4-1, four, four, and one, but that could have the type of result as this year goes on that playing that schedule, while it hurts your record a little bit, could help this team down the line. 100% agree with you guys. It, it Last year you saw that 
the Wildcats didn't really lose a lot of games because they didn't have a lot of teams to lose against. We they definitely avoided some tough Big Ten games on their schedule last season. Didn't have to play Penn State. Exactly, especially. And so now having to play Penn State, all, coming into the season, that looked like a game that we maybe we could steal a point. But after seeing the struggles in the non-conference, seeing the injuries that the Wildcats had to try to overcome, it was almost <coughs> going to be pretty hard, pretty hard, near impossible to try to get a point in that. And just being able to work on the defense, work Hen Davidson back in and keep everyone kind of solid in the back and just keep everyone heads about them. It, it shows really well, and especially, again, like you said, being able to rebound against Ohio State and kind of taking those those losses early in the season. I was actually at the Long Beach State game traveling down from the L.A. area to go see that game and just to see how they played and how frustrated they were doing that Long Beach State game and to see them respond the way they have where they've played games close, they've played game teams tough, and they've and they've been able to keep kind of rolling and, and try to find that 2016 Wildcat team that we've seen and that we enjoyed watching so much, and coming back into this winnable non winnable conference schedule that that they have, it, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, one thing you're gonna hear from Michael Moynihan mentally for his team is that their senior leadership last year mattered. Um, we thought you know they weren't losing that many players, but when you look back at it, they lost a bunch of contributors: Nandi Meta, Caitlin Moore, Rachel Zampa, Mary Erickson, and part of having that many players in lineup just gives you a mental toughness and. A lot of first years in the, in in this team this year, and it's tough to you know kind of adjust to to women's college soccer, and I think that showed early on the season some frustrating results. The the Long Beach game, you, as you said, Walker, they were visibly frustrated. The Cincinnati game, you know, conceding a, a goal lead, losing that, very frustrated at that style of play. Same thing with Pepperdine. Once Pepperdine went up, Northwestern could never get back in the game. I think this win is going to give them the type of confidence and belief they need. But that's, that's something to watch as the season goes on, is mentally, where will this team be when we come to the end of October and November? Well, and, and I think the biggest thing about the Ohio State game is the result is incredibly important, but it's something that both of you guys have talked on, especially Walker, is the response, is that they were handled by Penn State, and they were handled fairly easily. Northwestern didn't create a ton of chances, not that we necessarily ever expected them to. They went behind early, and... For lack of a better term, they went behind often. 3-0, never really in the match with a shout to get some sort of yeah. result. They had some more shots in the second half, but by that time, it was the game was out of reach. But to, to respond from that and to say, you know, that can very easily spiral into a frustrating loss against an Ohio State team that's probably equal talent-wise. But to, to kind of draw the line there and say, okay, we got beat by Penn State. There's, there's no two ways about it. But to then bounce back from that, I think, is probably the most important part of this is that Northwestern has shown, all right, look, took an early season punch, took a big early season punch with some of these results, but they got up off the mat and they got they grinded out a big result in a, in a match that they really needed to. And especially after, I, I think, arguably the two most frustrating games on the season, after Long Beach being able to come back twice against Loyola, Marymount, to, on that road trip and to have that kind of first-year resiliency with a lot of first years in the lineup, and they seemed to be frustrated with with losing as well, and that's a good thing to have come into the program where people don't like losing, and, and once they lose, to see how teams respond is, is really great to see that they responded with a, with a well much-needed draw at Loyola Marymount a couple weeks ago, and then to come back against that with that win in Columbus was absolutely <clears throat> huge, and we know now that if they can struggle in the conference schedule where we don't expect them to, they should be able to come back because we know that they have that mental makeup, and then it'll be... It'll be it'll be an experiment. Yeah, Northwestern also responding to that Cincinnati loss with a good win, a come from behind win over Missouri. Another game where they showed their um, ability to respond against adversity. I think this is a team that is mentally strong and able to bounce back, as we mentioned. But it's just going to be interesting because I think there's just more variability in this year's edition of the Wildcats. Not something we really saw last year. And that was always going to yeah. be the case. We said yeah. this in our preview pod. What they did last year was so incredible on so many different levels. You could probably make the argument that outside of a ball that hit the post against Duke in the NCAA tournament, Northwestern got every single bounce and break last season. That's just not going to happen. It's not repeatable no matter how good you are, no matter how much you've improved. They were always going to regress in some areas this year. The important thing for them is, all right, how are they going to deal with that regression? And it's been an up-and-down season, and it may continue to be an up-and-down season, but they need to continue to grind out these results. Yeah, and you can see, even though, obviously, the results aren't the same, 
I think also I both agree, and maybe you will too, Walker, that this team is better on paper and has better talent than last year's team. It may not always show it because they have to develop and show it on the field, but I think just the attack looks better with the, the talent they now have from these first years. Yeah, I, t- I agree, especially first years like Matty Cannell looks great looks great out there on the, on the wings and sometimes up top, and it's kind of good to see that the first-year talent is now coming, especially after a season that was so successful like the 2016 campaign. It's really hard to recruit in high school soccer with so many... So Variables. Many. It's awesome. I mention this all the time. We came in blind. We didn't know what there's, this There's no knowledge about women's soccer recruiting, really. Top-door soccer, you know, bless their souls. They do as much as they can, but it's a complete unknown what you're it's getting. It's tough. And we like what we've seen from those first years. Yeah. But let's push on to... This weekend for Northwestern, and Amit, I think the storyline for this weekend may be exactly like the storyline for you last gotta weekend. you got to get a win against Maryland. In you that, circle that Maryland game, you need three points, and then, like like Penn State, you try your best against Rutgers. And the stats on Rutgers are gaudy so far this year. Uh, eight matches played, 22 goals scored, zero goals conceded for the Scarlet Knights. Now, granted, they haven't played the most difficult of schedules, but they 3 0 a Loyola Marymount team that Northwestern had to battle for a draw against. 2-0 result against Connecticut. They put seven past a bad Mount St. Mary's team, grinded out a 0-0 draw against Georgetown, and comfortably handled Maryland 2-0 to open up Big Ten play. Colby Sierraca, five goals, two assists. Casey Murphy is probably the best goalkeeper in the in the country. Uh, the uh, starter for the U.S. Under-20 last year, that was part of the reason why Lauren Clem was able to win goalkeeper of the year. She was had a fantastic performance, but Casey Murphy is very, very good. Uh... Amira Alley, a freshman who's come into this Rutgers program, four goals, two assists, just all around, up and down the board. This is a very, very talented team. And it's going to be difficult, Walker. The game plan is probably going to be, for Northwestern, try to create a set piece somehow and hammer it home. And if you can't do that, try to defend for 110 minutes and walk away yeah. with the point you started with. Uh, I agree with you guys again, and, and especially a team that – this twenty the twenty sixteen Wildcats struggled against. That was the only team that gave them problems, but it was the team that did give them and problems. Murphy wasn't even between the sticks last year, so now it'll be even even a tougher task for the Wildcats, losing all that all that experience and coming back with his first years. The first years may not have played Rutgers last year, but still, the team needs to at least try to get a point. Would be a great result at home against Rutgers on Friday night. Yeah, and, you know, adding on that, I think it's a game where the first half is so key. You get to halftime without a goal conceded, or if somehow you score and it's 1-1, obviously leading, great. But if you get into halftime and that game is still tied, there's a lot of belief, I think, that you can go and get a result. If you sco- if you concede early like you did against Penn State, it's just really tough, really tough to, to battle back against a team that has such a ridiculous defensive record. And... I think I think Northwestern needs to. This is gonna be. I think this is right now their biggest game of the season. Obviously, Penn State was was really tough. They didn't really have a chance. And I know this isn't the winnable game, but just to put in a performance for a belief purpose. I, I disagree with you. I think that this game is just desserts. Whatever happens for Northwestern, I think going into it, as Walker said, a point is a very good result. Three points yeah, is an I think, absolute. I dream. think I agree with you that they don't need a result, and in that sense, it's not the biggest game of the season. But I think it's the one you know at Building home. Block. You're going to be up. I think they're going to be the most up for this that they've been for a game all yeah, season. I think that's fair to yeah. say. But and I think I agree, I agree with you 100 percent on your point that this is this isn't the biggest in that Northwestern needs a result. It's not a do or die game, right. I should say. Right. Those will probably come later in the year, but. Yeah. Anything from this game is a great result for Northwestern. And as you said, even just a good performance, maybe even in defeat, can be confidence for this team because they did concede so early against Penn State. That really just throws things off. As you said, Amit, the first 15 to 20 minutes of this match will be critical because you know that Sierraka, uh, Ali, Henley for Rutgers are going to come out and they want to get that goal passed early so that then they can sit back and hit out on the counter. So the press will be high. We've seen Northwestern struggle with high-pressing teams this year. Cincinnati gave them issues to start that match. So they need to be able to handle that pressure. And look, it's okay if you don't create many chances in the first 25 minutes. That's perfectly fine. As long as you weather that initial storm and then slowly but surely build your way forward, see if you can win a couple corners, win a couple dangerous free kicks. 
every single opportunity that you have in a dead ball situation, you take it. If that's a free kick from your own side of the halfway line, you take it and you send it in towards the box, you put it in the mixer and you see what can happen. That's probably the way that Northwestern gets a result out of this match. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 what, exactly what you said, Austin. And, you know, I think Northwestern on a set piece at home, they, they could always get something out of this match. The other thing that's worth noting is that you know, it's not like opponents are, are they're they're shut down, no goals. But the shots on goal, teams still teams have twenty five through seven matches. That's three shots on goal a game, which isn't good. But it it shows it's not like they're they're just completely shutting teams. And I down. think maybe the stat that is most significant for me is through eight matches, they conceded twenty seven corner kicks. That's three a match. That's three set piece opportunities yeah. for Northwestern. You add in another foul or two in a dangerous area, you're probably looking. <laughs> and they at foul a lot. Rutgers has 41 fouls. Right. You're probably looking at the type of situation where you have four to six half to full chances. You just got to turn one of them into a goal. That's all you need. Northwestern doesn't need to come out here and try and outscore Rutgers. Yeah. They put the ball in the back of the net once and see what happens. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a very smart performance from Northwestern. It has to be. But I think this is the type of team where they can really dial up that defensive intensity and I think that this is going to be a very interesting game to watch. I wouldn't say necessarily fun, especially if you're a Northwestern fan. It's going to be a lot of hanging on. But this is this is a game where Northwestern's really going to bunker in. As I said on last week's podcast, Rutgers is my personal enemy. So I'm very excited for this match on yeah. Friday night. Northwestern two years ago stole an overtime win. Nani Meta. Um, in Times Square from an overtime. It was not in Times Square. It was, it was, it was at Toyota Field. No, it was at Toyota oh, Field. Oh, it was two years ago at home. Yeah. Toyota Field. I was there. It was the first women's soccer match I ever called at Northwestern. Really? Yeah. Nani Meta. Nani Meta overtime winner. That's where it started. Yeah, that's where it all started. So these two teams certainly, I think it's there's history. a bit of animosity. Yeah. Northwestern, especially last year, the only team to beat them outside of the postseason and beat them twice. Yeah. And then the Maryland game on Sunday, as we said, look, Rutgers is going to get the headlines because it would be a huge shock result for Northwestern and a big result for them. But three points against Maryland and whatever happens against Rutgers is probably fine because you're on six points with the two toughest games of your Big Ten schedule already played. So if you get three points against a Maryland team that was really poor last year, fair to say they've probably improved a bit this year, but the schedule, the schedule has, has not been good. left a lot of questions. You don't really know yeah. what this Maryland team they is going to come in with. They played one team receiving votes. That's Furman. Tied them 1-1. Solid result on the road, and then lost to Rutgers on the road 2-0, and everyone else has not been that talented. Yeah, so, Walker, the three points against Maryland may be the most important part of the weekend, even if that Friday night game gets the headlines. It, it obviously is, as we saw last weekend with Ohio State. you got to take the points you can get, especially this early in the non-conference schedule. Like you said, the two hardest games of the Wildcat schedule will be gone, and that will be forgotten about. And if you have to play those two teams again in postseason Big Ten play – fine but you don't have to play them again in conference play and you can focus on the rest of the schedule and take it one game at a time one step at a time 1.3 points at a time and watch yourself climb up that table and maybe even try to repeat as big 10 champs and you just wait for all right you know Rutgers is going to have to play Penn State and who knows they'll slip they might slip up somewhere else down the line and Penn State slips so you take care of business and as you said Pick up those points to your tally and, and see what happens yeah. at the table. And as we've said, the rest of the schedule, really winnable for Northwestern. Indiana, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Michigan State. Wisconsin's certainly the best team yeah, of those they're teams They're ranked last. eighth in the country, although Austin and I are kind of bullish that they're not that good. Especially the middle yeah. game of a three-game home stretch, you think the Wildcats will be ready and not a lot of travel involved, and they'll be well-rested and be able to maybe yeah. take that game against Wisconsin late in the season, so... We'll, yeah. cer we'll certainly see how it turns out. This weekend's going to be a very telling one. I feel like we're saying that a lot, but it's because this is a team with a lot of unknowns, um, which is why we're still trying to just get more data points for us to build our, our analysis of this team. Uh, Walker, I'll ask you, since both of us will probably be uh, calling one of these games this weekend. Put on the spot. What's your prediction? How many points and what are the results? I'm going to say four points. <laughs> Yeah. Draw against Rutgers. Yeah. I think the Wildcats have been able to figure out how to come back, and I think they'll be ready. The first home game with all students back on campus this year, I think... Friday night's going to be popping at Martin Stadium. I mean, it was popping <laughs> for men's soccer on Sunday, so we'll see what, what happens on Friday night. Um, but I think the atmosphere will be there. I think the Cats will be excited to be back at home, back during the school year. And I think they, they'll be able to pull it out, and I think they'll it'll grind one out against Maryland. Hopefully, 
less stressful for the Wildcat fans out there, but I think they'll be able to maybe experiment a little bit with the offense and, and kind of scrape out a goal or two and hopefully not concede any hard chances. One final point before we move on to men's soccer. Northwestern had this exact same stretch on their schedule last year, except it was flipped. It was away. They went to Piscataway, suffered their first uh, sorry, second right. goal of the year against Rutgers, a 2-0 defeat in which Northwest was never really in that match. That was the match where Brenda Oliveira tore her ACL. Uh, but then they bounced back well, and they went to College Park, and they hammered Maryland 4-1, probably their best comprehensive performance of the year in conference play. So, again, you could see things play out exactly like that, and I think we're all of the agreement that that's not a bad weekend for Northwestern to not leave with three points. You get what you can against the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, you want three. Three is the goal. I think four is great. Six is Again, as we always say, perfect. Um, one would be a little disappointing, and zero, obviously. Disaster. It's not going to happen. Nah, not a disaster, but not, not, not going to talk about it. Yeah, we're not going to talk about four. it. Let's, four. Uh, let's move on to the men's soccer team. Um, I have a, a team year. that I predicted four points for last weekend and proved to be uh, wrong. Zero yeah, and for men's soccer. That's where we'll start with. Uh, things are not going great for Tim Lenahan's side. They're one and six. I've lost six straight. Um I mean, we could, we're, we'll talk about this, but personally, I'll, I'll give it to us in a second. I don't think it's been particularly close in any of these matches. No, and, and the issue has been Northwestern has conceded early in these matches. And when you play the style that Northwestern has kind of shown that they're going to set out to play this year, it's, it's all right, Tim Lanahan would probably tell you, we may not be as talented as a lot of teams in the Big Ten. So we're going to try to make up for that in sitting back, trying to shut down other teams, We'll create opportunities on the counter. We have a big target forward, Elo Zumba. We're going to hope to hold the ball up and take what, what little chances we do create. And you look at the Big Ten games that Northwestern has played thus far, and this is something that Tim Lanahan has talked about in talking with the press after these matches, is they're just simply conceding too early. Against Ohio State, 1-0 down, 6 minutes in, lost the match 1-0. Against Wisconsin, 3 goals conceded in the first 20 minutes, lost 3-1. Against Indiana, 1-0 down, 10 minutes in, lost 2-0. If you're going to play that style, it's imperative that you start matches are strong. And it's exactly what we were talking about with women's soccer. Teams are going to try to punch you out of a match in the first 20 minutes if they know that you're going to sit back, if they know that you may not be much of a threat going forward early on. And if you let them land that initial punch, it's so much harder to bounce back and to get into games. And Walker, I think that's been the biggest issue for Northwestern. It's not that the Wildcats are inherently less talented than these teams because maybe they are it's that they're conceding these early goals and they're just getting put into these holes that it's just really hard for any team to bounce back out of 100 percent, especially in attendance at the indiana game there was a chance the wildcats had about five minutes in that that looked close and it was a i guess long yeah. ball flicked across the middle of the box and john Otterwell had a great um volley it looked like it was gonna head it was destined for upper 90 hit off a defender went out of bounds five minutes later you get the questionable goal call um Keep it off sides Arguably should have been very offside. I have my own reservations about that you were, one. You were closer to the to the action than I was. You had a better angle walker. I, I what I saw was the guy who end, ended up putting the ball in the net, started the play out of bounds, off behind the goal he, line. He, he did. So the only way he would have been on would if was if two Northwestern defenders, because the goalkeeper was off his line, were standing halfway inside the net, which I think as Northwestern students should know how to play defense and not be standing inside a goal. Hey, you know what they say, points finger to head. You can't be off sides if you're off the field. It's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> maybe that maybe that was his Walker, thing. Walker offered you this earlier in the year, but should one of those situations arise further in the year, I do have experience in uh, Brazilian stadiums and can come up with a couple of insults for you to maybe suggest to the linesman what they can do in situations such as that further on. So I was always can, interested. All right, you and I can talk after the podcast. We can get that settled. And look, all right, that's a tough break for Northwestern. Yeah, and but no matter what, I think the point is right that you just can't concede early. I think this is a team, actually, that if they can get to halftime in a lot of these games 0-0, you will see some results. Uh, the problem is they haven't been doing that, and here's the, the bigger problem I'm, I'm going to tell you all right now. The schedule doesn't get any easier for Northwestern. They have three ranked teams in a row. Big Ten's Mich tough. Michigan, Maryland, Notre Dame. Michigan, 22. Maryland, 2. Notre Dame, 1. All on the road. Uh, all on the road. Good luck getting points on that. I, you know, I hate to say it. It's just road games, first of all, tough. Three of the top 25 teams in the country. Two of the top three teams in the country. Bad news. And plus, later in the year, you also have Michigan State at home, 
who is another top 10 team in the country. Loyola, not bad either. Yes. In a non in Some a late really good programs. And you just start thinking about it. First of all, it's one and six. I think it's fair to say this is a lost season, but how much is this going to, how bad is this going to get? All right. A couple of things from my end here. One, lost season, whatever, fine. Um, this team can still make the Big Ten tournament. That's yeah, still a goal. Yeah. You never know what can happen once you get into postseason play. You put yourself into a knockout round, you get for the, you know, to speak of it in European terms, your ball is in the hat, you're in the draw, you got a chance. Um, I think that the biggest thing for Northwestern is they just need to get one. You just Out need to get three. one. No, oh, no, not that. Oh. You get one good performance yeah. and it can cycle on itself. Just like bad performances can cycle on itself. Yeah. Good performances can cycle on itself as well. You get one result. I don't know. You go to Ann Arbor and you battle out a 1-1 draw over a 110. Or you get something out of that Maryland game. Or you play Notre Dame well like you've played Notre Dame well the past couple of years. And the next thing you know, you're playing better. You feel a little more freedom. you got some pressure off your chest. And you can, you can build on that. You can find some other results. That's why... That stretch of it is scary. It's scary for any team in the country, not just for one that is one in six and has only scored. No a hit. team would want to see that. Yeah. No road but, trips to Maryland and Notre Dame back to back. Yeah, no, it's not great. Not great. Schedule maker did them no favors. But to counter off of that, the match that might be the most important is Wednesday night against UIC because Walker Northwestern gets a result there. You feel a lot better about yourselves as you get on the bus to Ann Arbor, as you get on the plane to College Park. Because you have a result in your back pocket, you think, all right, we didn't completely forget how to play. We have some of this still up in us, and you think you can battle out a result. And what we saw from this team last season, although they made the Big Ten tournament, um, we saw that it was their same situation, a season that looked lost, but they performed in big games. As you mentioned, the Notre Dame game at Toyota Park last year, which you again called, it was a, we upset them. The Wildcats upset them in a, in a tough game, and they have the ability to play the tough game. I think we all knew that this season was going to be tough. We didn't we didn't think they were going to be great, but I think the encouraging things that I have seen from seeing them is the play of the sophomores in some of the first years. Tommy Katsianis looked good the other day. Um, Miha Mishkovich in goal has impressed me from what I've seen from him. Obviously, Ty Seeger, Ty Seager has Seager been looks one of good. My Sean Lynch looks good. Players. He's really good in the air can play with the ball at his feet, kind of one of, the, I think, their most creative players in the offensive third. And um, I think it's building yeah. towards next year, which will be interesting. And maybe a run into the NCAA tournament is a stretch. If a run into the Big Ten tournament may be a stretch. Yeah. But I think what yeah. I said at the end of last season when I went on a podcast late last season is it's about the rebuild and it's about, like Amit likes to say in his in his favorite town, you got to trust the process. And I think the other thing to add is that you make a good point, um, Walker is that Tim Lenahan is a good NCA coach. You he's know, proven it. It's been you look three, at the results. It's been three tough years, but you look at the results. He's been to a lot of NCA tournaments. He's won some Big Ten titles. When he has the talent, he gets results. I think he's just had a, he's just had a bit of a talent gap. Uh, I think his recruiting class this year's seniors and uh, this year's juniors maybe didn't pan out to to what they were heralded. Uh, his sophomores, there's really only two of them: uh, just Sean Lynch and Ty Seeger. Actually, that's not true, but there's two Sorry, two offensive players. Um, the only two offensive players in that class. Matias Tomasino in that class. Andrew McLeod. Andrew McLeod. Mac Mazzola. I, I didn't mean to say that, but just two offensive players. And I, I just keep going back. I say this all the time on the podcast. He used to have Joey Calistri. He used to have Coleman Silva. He used to have Tyler Miller. These are all MLS, USL level players he had on his roster. You look in this roster, you, you don't see one, and maybe one of these first years will turn into one. Until the recruits come, he's going to have to play this this style that gets him results. They're going to have to grind, and it's not pretty. But I think they just got to wait it out. And this year, I think it would be great to end the year in a run. Last year, they finished their season 4-1. and one, And then before going to the Big Ten tournament and losing to Indiana. But playing well in but losing But playing well in losing to Indiana. I think that's this is an achievable goal for this team. I don't want to say it's a lost season. I'm asking the question because it's our job to ask the question. I think this team could get something out of this, and it, maybe it does start against UIC. Yeah, and I think, like I said earlier, you get one result, and maybe another result comes. And yeah, that stretch is scary, but if you go into that with a good performance against UIC, it's a bad UIC team. They've got one win this year, they pulled out one draw. It's a UIC team that Northwestern will feel, look, we are on the same talent level as this team that comes up from UIC. Uh, gave Northwestern some problems last year. Some interesting players, Max Todd, the Scottish midfielder, I think could give Northwestern issues in the back line. But that's a match that Northwestern going into can say, look, three points, absolutely attainable from this. You get that, then I don't know. You, you pull two, four points somehow out of that three-match stretch. 
Western Illinois is a very winnable non-conference game. DePaul is a very winnable non-conference game. And then you, you jump back into Big Ten play with a pair against Rutgers and Michigan State. You just put some results together. You get yourself in the Big Ten tournament. And as Walker said, you develop those first years. Mishkovich in goal, I've liked what I've seen from him. Obviously, the goals allowed stat is is going to, to fail him because they're simply conceding too many chances. But his actual play, I think, has been good. Opperman and McLeod. A sophomore and a freshman in the back line, very good players. I think those are two guys that you can count on for years to come. Matias Tomasino, good defensive player. midfielder, good player. You mentioned it. Seeger, Lynch, attacking players. Katsianis has, has shown signs. It's it's not been comprehensive, but you've seen flashes. And I those think, flashes yeah, you, could turn into something. And you look at every position on this roster, there's talent there. The position where there isn't, and I don't want to say isn't, Elo Zumba is just not a guy that you can rely on to get you a goal when you need it. There's so his, there's so few players in college soccer. Yeah, there's can. not. And the problem is you just need more support around him. And I think part of it is that Elo's job is just to win the ball and create chances. And he does that job really he well. Yeah. He, he did that job well against Indiana, too. He just doesn't have a lot of support. And I think if North, this Northwestern team gets some a, a more, I think, reliable attacking talent, they could be really good. And until then, you know, someone has to step up and overperform their role a little and then, and then also, I think they just, they turn their switch off just every once in a while. Because you go back to the Indiana game, outside of the two goals, Walker, you saw this game. Did Northwestern concede a ton of wide-open chances to Indiana? No, they got beat a couple on some, with some speedy wing play, but I don't think they conceded chances. There was When they when they conceded down the wings, the Indiana could get the ball in the middle. It was a little scary, but I don't think... It was a game where we looked, where the Wildcats looked outclassed. I think it was a game where they conceded early and they struggled to stay back in it. And like we said, you can't concede <clears throat> early and expect to have the results that you're going to get when you don't, when you sit back and play the style of play that they do. Yeah, I think that's been the frustrating thing for Northwestern is outside of that Syracuse game, I don't necessarily think they've been outclassed at all this season. But they also, in none of these games, have been good enough to get to get a result. It's just when you concede that goal so early, like they have in their last three matches against UIC, you cannot concede in the first twenty minutes. UIC has not scored in three matches. Northwestern comes in, they get their feet under them in a match, then they can play. And I think that's what they need to do most importantly tomorrow night against UIC. Um, I'll be on the call against UIC, so I'm not going to predict a game. I'll ask both of you, starting with Austin Miller. He's throwing up the threes as if he's an NBA shooter. Austin, what do you think is going to happen? Three points for the Wildcats. Get a little momentum. See what happens when you get into that tough stretch. I absolutely think they can get three points from this game. I think they should get three points from this game. I think they will get three points from this game. Give me Sean Lynch to score. And give me Mac Mazzola on a header. 2-0 Wildcats. I think on Latin Heritage Night, I believe, tomorrow at Martin Stadium, the wow. Cats will be feeling it, and they will be able to pull out the three points, as, as I agree with Austin. Um, I think they'll be ready. Um... There's some definitely promise um, from the Indiana game, and I think they'll be able to build off that and take a UIC team that, again, we mentioned they struggled against last year but hasn't performed well this year, and they'll have the mindset that this is a game that we can win and we can do well in, and, and, and it'll show on the field tomorrow night. Well, there you have it. Expecting three points. Northwestern also will go play. Oh, sorry, one second here. Michigan, as we said. I think that's a game we're not going to talk about right now. It's going to be a tough one on the road. Let's move on. Recap next week. Recap, Recap next week. Recap coming next week. Because <laughs> really for Northwestern, it's all about this USC game. If you haven't figured that out from that, from by now, I don't know what podcast you've been listening to. Because it certainly wasn't true. If you've it. made it this long in the podcast, you've probably figured out a couple things. One, Austin does not like Rutgers. Two, the Lady Wildcats should probably get three points from the Maryland game. And three, the Men's Wildcats should probably get three points from the USC game. That's your three things. Three big takeaways. Three things you need to know. Exactly. There yeah, you go. Exactly. Um, let's wrap up this podcast. We'll take a break from Northwestern, go international big picture. We'll head over to our favorite country slash larger country Speak for the United yourself. Kingdom. For Speak soccer for purposes, just for me. Uh, Austin Miller, big Brazilian fan, as we know. Walker, I don't know. I, you're you're in Spain. No one's favorite, just mine. We have the Carabao Cup mm, and the Premier stop. League coming up this weekend. Not a lot of great football in the Carabao Cup, but what do you guys want to talk about? I'm purpose, personally very excited. Spurs broke that Wembley curse. Ooh, beat yeah, yeah. We beat Barnsley out. in the Carabao Cup. The Wembley Wembley curse is over. All right, All right here I'll, I'll tell be, you. I'll be honest. I don't think the Wembley curse is over. I think we're still in a lot of trouble. All right, I will tell you everything you need to know that happened in the Carabao Cup today, and I will do it in less than a minute. You think I can do that? Yeah, I'll start timing you. You ready? Yep. All right. All right. 
Spurs, Wembley curse, done. It's over. They beat Barnsley. How could you ever lose there again? Less, uh, Liverpool subbed off Coutinho at halftime. That was a question mark. Ended up losing 2-0 to Leicester in a game that they, they had dominated. Stoke City, out of the Carabao Cup. Great. Hate to see it. Stroke 2 City. Uh, Middlesbrough beat Aston Villa in a game that's only relevant because Brad Guzan once got relegated for not one but both of those teams. Uh, Crystal Palace. <laughs> the Brad Guzan Bowl. All right, you just took five seconds of my time. I'll, I'll Crystal, give you. Crystal Palace scored a goal, which was big news for them. They beat a Premier League team in Huddersfield, so yay, everything's okay. They, they're still bad. Uh, that's all you need to know. Oh, Leeds and Burnley played one cracker of a match. Three goals from the 89th minute on. Leeds won on penalties. Sean Dyche is probably pumped about that because he doesn't have to deal with that. And get his boys ready to stay up in the Premier League. Great. Did it with 12 minutes, 12 seconds to spare. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Austin. West Ham um, scored three. It's the only other thing I got. Great. Uh, Walker, do you have anything to add about the Carabao Cup? Because personally, here's my take. Uh, it doesn't matter as a competition. And is, nah, uh, Carabao Cup's great. Carabao Cup is great because mid-table teams look at it and are like, Oh, Europa League. We got a shot. We got a shot. And then they go and they, they lose away to Bristol City 2 now. But for a team like Tottenham or Liverpool, it doesn't matter. And so it's just the way to make your players more tired. Yeah, it's a hassle. It's a it hassle a because hassle. you eventually are going to probably get dumped out of it and fans are going to be mad. But also, like, it's the Carabao Cup. Like, yeah. Liverpool doesn't care about the Carabao Cup. Yeah. I think the most interesting part about a competition like this is just to see those those lower-level teams come and perform and, yeah. and them get excited to play again. I, I agree with you, Walker, but the thing is there's a competition that already does that, and it's the FA Cup. We don't need a no, cup no, it's only good. for the four it's tiers good. of English football. No, the Carabao Cup is great because, all right, one, Carabao is now the sponsor, so it leads to weird <laughs> things like, oh, we're just going to have the draw untelevised well, in okay, China. Let me tell you right now, when I first heard it was called the Carabao Cup, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was like a Caribbean Nations mm. Cup. See, here's the and thing. And I was like, is this like a new adjective for Caribbean Carabao? And then I was like, oh, Tottenham's playing. Okay, are we are we the guest? In a Caribbean nation tournament? Nah, nah. It's an Asian energy drink. And I know this because Flamengo, the biggest club in Brazil, signed Carabao to be their shirt sponsor starting next year. More you know. No, I think this is great. Like like I said, I get it. Big clubs don't really care about okay. this, and it's a hassle for them. Here's but what, it's, it's fun. All right, it's fun, and there's some drama, and you get to go to Wembley at the end anyways. Swansea, or if you're Swansea, Barnsley and you draw Spurs, you get to go to Wembley. You also get to go to Wembley. It's true. You just, you just want to draw Spurs. Call that a trip. Um, Swansea got won the Carabao Cup and they got to play in the Europa League. Yeah, Good, cool. great for them. Yeah. Didn't work out so well. Yeah, they beat a really talented Bradford City team in the final. Sure, that was a good one to watch for everyone. The it's thing Europa is, League. the thing that I'm also you know not mentioning is I'm a Tottenham fan and they right. have a little stat they like to say that they've won one major trophy every decade. The only other team to do that is Manchester United, but their 2000s trophy was the League Cup in 08. So, go. that's that'd be like say, yeah, we we won a trophy every decade, but what was the Carabao See, Cup? See, your perspective is just going to be different than mine because you support a different club than I support. For my yeah. club, Look, it, it's they're a gonna, cup run. They're going to finish yeah. 11th in the Premier League. It's going to happen every single year. But this is a chance to like put together a couple of matches and see what happens. A couple years ago, we made the semifinals, lost to Liverpool. It was really fun. And now we're just losing to mid-tier teams. But anyway, we can move on to the actual Premier League. I've spoken enough about Asian energy drinks for this week's show. Uh, let's see. What do we got this week in the Premier League? Tottenham West Ham at 6.30 in the morning. You Chicharito. know who's going to be up for that one? Not you. Not me. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Le Liverpool playing. I, I always love when this happens. So Liverpool went away to Leicester today for the Carabao Cup. Guess yeah. where Liverpool are going away on Saturday? Leicester. Leicester, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah back to back. just going to stay. Yeah. should be a nice four nah, days nice. at Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> no. England is the size of Alabama. They're not going to stay. They could go uh, Stoke City-Chelsea is intriguing as a Stoke City fan. Stoke have done pretty well in the Potteries this year. Chelsea may be a step too far because we've already got one win and one draw from those big matches. So this might be the loss. Um, yeah, it's a bad slate. It's a games. bad we slate. We a bad week to do international talk because there's really nothing to talk about. Walkers, the thing Sorry, to talk ahead. about is that World Cup qualifiers, I think, is really interesting for all of us involved, and we just have to wait a week to get yeah. there. We'll get there, though. Uh, Walker, Barcelona. Yes. My man Paulinho is good. <laughs> Walker's a Barcelona fan. I just wanted a chance. Paulinho also is a Tottenham legend. To talk about how much I love Paulinho. Dembele's hurt. How are you feeling about Barca? Like, are you of the, like, crisis? I'm not of the crisis. I'm of the, I guess, frustrated, I think, with the whole Neymar transfer, the will we get Coutinho, will we would never get Coutinho discussion. It was very frustrating, this transfer window, to be able to see 
and then, oh, our big signing, Dembele, yeah, he's gone for the year now with a torn hamstring and needs surgery. Like, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough thing to watch after a frustrating transfer window where you see that hopefully they don't look lost on the offensive end anymore because MSN is no longer there, but it's it's frustrating, but not end of the world. There's still Barcelona. Yeah, you're Bar- Like, this is my thing. Like, I like you as a person, Walker. But I just can't feel any pity for you. Like, you support Barcelona. Like, oh, no, like, we weren't able to pay a trillion dollars for Coutinho. What are we going to do? Well, I guess we'll pay a bunch of money for Dembele. Like, other clubs just can't do that. Like, it's the reality for 99.8% of clubs around the world. You lose players. It happens. You lose players that you would like to keep. You don't get players that you would like to bring in. And so, like, for this to finally happen to Barcelona, like, Sorry. Really I'll take care. it. I'll take it. <laughs> like, like I get it, and like I think it's very interesting to see it actually happen. And and these questions of crisis, I find very intriguing, because at a big club, that so rarely happens when it actually looks like wait, they may have legitimately lost a step, and it looked like they legitimately lost a step in that Super Cup against Real Madrid. That was tough. But at this point, like they're probably gonna be fine. Yeah, and they also have already a big lead in La Liga. Madrid and Atletico slipping up a bit, so. We'll see how that goes. Um, any closing thoughts here for kicking it? We're just over 43 minutes right. here. That means I get to make a bold prediction before we talk to Michael Morihan. Man, there's not a lot to make a bold prediction on this week. Is this podcast going to drop on Wednesday? It's going to drop Wednesday morning. If you're listening to this, it'll be Wednesday. We want to get this out before the UIC sure. Flames match, but still evergreen for the rest of the week. Of course. You can still listen to it before Rutgers, before Michigan, before Maryland. All right, I've got my bold prediction of the week. Tomorrow... At the Emirates. It'll probably have already happened by the time you're listening to this podcast. Doncaster Rovers 2, Arsenal 1. Wenger out. He's not going to actually be out, but they're going to be really mad about losing to Doncaster. Either that or Nottingham Forest is going to win at Chelsea. One of those two things is going to happen tomorrow. It's my bold prediction for the week. I'm not that bold. You're not that bold. I just make bold predictions (laughs) and hope that no one actually listens to this podcast. Because last week I predicted a bunch of points for men's soccer and they did not get a bunch of points. (laughs) My bold prediction is that Stoke City is going to upset Chelsea. Not City, just Chelsea. Yeah? Chupa moting. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saito Berahino going to get back on the score sheet. Actually, no, was, he, was he ever on it to start? Yeah, Saito Berahino, yeah, to get back on the score sheet, you have to have actually been on the score he sheet. Was he was on it for West Brom. not done that for Stoke City yet. Ah, uh, that's a step too far. Stoke City can win that match, but it will not be because of Saito Berahino. It'll be because hey, of... we're going for bold. Peter Crouch. Oh, Tottenham legend. He knows a thing or two about scoring some London We should goals. probably talk to Michael Moynihan now. Yeah, I think you've heard enough. If you made it this far, boy, thanks for listening. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, you probably just skipped, but then you accidentally clicked like 15 seconds before you were supposed to click for the Moynihan interview, and now you're hearing the end of our international soccer ramble. So, yeah, Michael Moynihan, up next. Yeah, Austin said it great. Thanks for listening to Kicking It on behalf of Walker Reinfeld, Austin Miller, and Emmett Malik. Subscribe to us on WR Sports, and now... Our weekly interview with Michael Moynihan. Doncaster Rovers! Hi, I'm Amit Malik here with WNR Sports for our weekly interview with Northwestern women's soccer coach Michael Moynihan. Coach, how are you doing on this uh, Tuesday, first day of classes? Got a little wet this morning, but otherwise okay. Um, Let's jump into it. Last week, you guys faced off uh, one of the top teams in the country, Penn State, and Ohio State on a road trip. Uh, We can start with that Penn State game, really tough game. You you said it was going to be tough before that. We know they were ranked top 10 in the country was a 3-0 result. What did your team learn from playing such a good team that you can take going forward? Well, you know, I, I really uh, appreciated Penn State's mentality. You know, they have a lot of uh, older players, you know, some really good leadership, I think, within that team, and uh, just very assertive. So I thought they showed strength and poise, and, um, you know, we, I think, learned a little bit about what it takes, you know, how you can apply yourself uh, and be a little bit more assertive and aggressive within a match. And um, and then within the tactics, you know, they did things faster than, than we're used to seeing and, uh, you know, made, made it very apparent that we need to do things with a little bit more urgency. So it was, it was a good experience for us. Do you see any similarities between the Penn State game and last year's Duke matchup? Duke not ranked as highly, but a team that moves the ball with a similar amount of speed. Um, that game was a lot closer. You guys defended very well for 90 minutes. You, you know, can you talk about that that a little? Yeah, you know, probably very similar um, in terms of levels. You know, uh, Duke's up there again this year. Um, 
A lot of it, I think, is, you know, last year we had a lot more, you know, we had a, a pretty significant senior class, uh, a group that had really been together for a long time. We didn't have a lot of new elements to it. Um, we only added two freshmen, and, and one of them uh, was injured. So, um, you know, it was pretty much a group that had been together for two years. And now, all of a sudden, this year, we have a lot of new faces. We've had some injuries that we didn't face last year. So it's still getting everybody in sync, and definitely we were not... Uh, we were not rotating as, as quickly as we needed to. Um, we weren't making our decisions at the speed that we needed to in terms of our defensive shape. So um, hopefully we get back to that point. You know, I, I thought the next match was, was good progress. Yeah, let's talk about that Ohio State match. A tough place to play in Columbus. They were receiving votes. And you guys won 1-0 thanks to another set-piece goal from, from Kayla Sharples. Let's start with the defending first. How are you guys able to get back on track and get another clean sheet? Yeah, you know, it really started with, uh, I think, the work of our forwards. Um, in the Penn State game, we, we showed them way too much respect. Um, the pressure up front was very token, you know, so even if our shape was okay, we didn't really do anything to apply proper pressure to the ball to make them uncomfortable. And I thought, you know, that was something that we focused on a lot. Um, the... Uh, you know, the rotation in the midfield was also slightly different. Penn State only played with two central midfielders. Ohio State played with three. So the some of the, you know, was a little bit different, which I think lended itself to a better performance by us. But um, but I do think it started from up top. The intensity was much greater um, on the defensive side, and that type of pressure forces turnovers that allowed us to control the game. And, you know, Kayla Sharple seems like she's always making headlines, grabbing goals, defending in the back. And we've talked about set pieces before in these interviews. You know, did you? What was the set play on that one to, to get her open? Uh, I first of all started with a great service from Marissa. Um, we don't really do anything too complicated. Um, you know, I think with Ohio State in particular, there's they have a, a player. She's definitely over six feet tall. Uh, one of their central defenders that zones in a certain area, and uh, that's where we like to put Kayla and. Um, we had another player in there to challenge, you know, their 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 main uh, defensive uh, presence, I guess you'd call her, um, and uh, you know that helped because when you're engaging her and not just letting the other player find the ball and attack it, um, it frees up Kayla, you know, who's uh, obviously the force. So nothing too fancy, but. Um, I feel like, you know, any set piece, you know, in addition to the goals that Kayla scored, she's also drawn two penalty kicks um, from people following her as she's, you know, trying to win balls. And uh, we just need to get the ball there. And it doesn't really take anything too fancy. Kayla's going to get after it. So, You know, state, statement-wise, getting a win on the road against a ranked team, you know, after, sure, you, you would say maybe not the best start of the season that you had hoped for, how does it feel to kind of be back set in Big Ten play. You feel you can use this game as momentum going forward for the rest of the conference season. Yeah, certainly. You know, the the Penn State one was a little bit tough. Um, they outplayed us, and it felt like they outplayed us, you know, especially in that first part of the game. I think we grew into the game, and we gained in confidence. The second half, we actually outshot them. Um, so I think we started to feel a little bit better, and then when we look back at the video, we realize, wow, you know, we were... We were a lot more in it than we maybe gave ourselves credit for in the moment um, with just a few things, you know, done differently. So coming into the Ohio State game, we, uh, you know, we were still smarting a little bit, I guess. And um, we, we knew we hadn't won at Ohio State in a long time. It had been 10 years since we'd beaten them. Um, so to come back, you know, it's, it's definitely a confidence builder. Um, you know, that's a team that just beat Notre Dame. They clobbered Illinois 7 to nothing, And, you know, to get that victory on, on their turf, I guess, uh, was a massive confidence boost. And hopefully it carries us into the next match. You know, Rutgers now has not conceded a goal the entire year. Um, you know, one of the stingiest teams in the country on an annual basis. And this year they're even stingier. So uh, it's going to be a test. But, you know, coming off of Ohio State, I feel good about it. Yeah, looking ahead to this weekend, we'll start with Rutgers on Friday. You just mentioned they haven't conceded. Uh, they were turning goalkeeper, a goalkeeper who was on the U-20 national team last year, kind of redshirted that year. How do you guys, what's your plan to try to get a goal? And, you know, outside of set pieces where we know your team is always dangerous, you know, how are you trying to control the game in open play? 
Yeah. Well, you know, we, we played them twice last year very differently. Uh, in the first game, you know, it was something that we highlighted. Um, you know, we, we looked at the, the tape after the game, and I think we only made like maybe two penetrating runs off the ball the entire game. Um, and it was something that we really emphasized. It, it was similar to Penn State, you know, in many regards, uh, where we were just not assertive enough. And we followed it up by, you know, going to Maryland, and we won in pretty good fashion. And within that game, we had a ton of penetrating runs and a lot more energy uh, off the ball. And, you know, we need to start that from the start. The second time we played Rutgers last year was, uh, I thought we played very, very well and, you know, probably had the upper hand for a large portion of the game, but, you know, ended up on the on the wrong side of the scoreline. Um, and they did manage to shoot us, uh, shut us out that time as well. But we created a lot of chances, and I feel like you know if, if we can do that again and show good energy, we'll we'll have chances. And I feel confident that our group's getting better and better in terms of finishing. So we'll be all right. And then looking ahead to Sunday, you play Maryland, a team that you've had pretty good success against uh, in the Big Ten last year, as you mentioned. I think a four-one run out. Um, you know, obviously, d- depending on how the result go- goes on Friday, how do you keep your team playing at a high level on a quick turnaround? And you're at home again against a team you don't want to lose drop any points to. Yeah, oh, that's always a challenge. You know, it's first thing is taking care of business on Friday. These short turnarounds, it's not good for soccer. It's not good for the athletes, uh, but we have to deal with them. So, um, you know, the first thing is we got to take care of business, and then we worry about that. And our our mentality is we just we approach every game on its own, and um, you know, and then we move on afterwards and start start sorting out the next one we won't have a whole lot of time as a staff you know we'll have put in some good work on it but as far as the players are concerned we just want them focused on Rutgers right now and doing what we can to get that game uh, and then chemistry wise you know I think week to week it's I think fun to ask about how your team's doing a lot of young faces you know one week into the the Big Ten season two games in how do you feel your team is doing really gelling together as a squad Fantastic. You know, it's it's one of the best I've seen in, in all of my years of coaching, to be honest. It's uh, it's a group that really, I think, is starting to get it as far as what it means to build relationships that are going to be uh, lasting and, and beneficial to the whole group. Um, fantastic teammates so far, and, uh, and I think really maturing in a lot of ways in terms of what it means to be a good teammate. So love the chemistry, love the way they're working together. Uh, I think that, you know, will lead us to, to good things down the road. And last question, looking ahead to this weekend, um, specifically on that Rutgers match, who's one player or two players that you're really looking forward to to step up and help the team get a win? Oh, dear. Um, you know, I, we need uh, somebody in the attacking third again to, to really assert themselves. I think in the last game we saw... Simran came in and had a, a good scoring opportunity. Kylie Fisher had a good scoring opportunity. Maria Fial had a pretty decent scoring opportunity. Olivia Corhonen, you know, who's going to be the one that takes that opportunity and converts it actually into a goal? Um, could be one of those four, but we have a few others as well. You know, Kim's going to be returning to action. Uh, we hope we, we have Shea back as well. We'll see. Um, but I think we have a lot of people that are capable. It's, you know, who's going to make that, uh, that final step? We'll, we'll see. Uh, it'd be nice to get the first goal of the year on Rutgers. So. Good luck this weekend. Hope you do so. Thanks a lot. Thank you.